Welcome to Thinking Reimagined. Thinking Reimagined is a unique platform for thoughts provoking intergenerational dialogue in a diverse and inclusive setting with a focus on impactful change in the global workplace and community. Our stakeholders' conversations aim to spark thought, leadership, curiosity, engagement, collaboration, and learning amongst individuals, teams, and beyond. Enjoy, Enjoy this episode. episode and subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and other outlets. All right, everyone. Welcome to the Thinking Reimagined podcast. I am Nifa Miyokuntuye. On this episode, we're talking about building confidence and competence in women. And um, I believe strongly this is critical to the SDG 5. Uh, seeking gender equality and empowerment of all women and girls amongst um, other issues. I'd like to begin by calling your attention to a particular female self-esteem survey that was uh, recently conducted by YDI on some 4,500 young women in about 40 African countries. The results indicated that low self-esteem was a major uh, inhibiting factor among women with 50% of the respondents admitting that they were affected. So this conversation is important. And we are talking on the premise that this hits um, to the center, so to speak, of perhaps one of the biggest challenges women are facing. Dr. Amma, the last time we had this conversation was with a group of young ladies, future surveyors. And I'm sure that um, from the conversation we had with quite a number of them, we can tell that this is a big issue, Dr. Amma. Well, indeed, Nifemi, it is an issue. And uh, first of all, I want to say thank you to all of our panelists today. And uh, this is uh, Women's Month, as everyone knows, we're celebrating women. Last week, we were focusing on um, Women's Day and talking about uh, breaking the bias and in the bias against women. And this topic actually dovetails in very nicely because you can't talk about women and building confidence and competency in women without talking about issues of self-confidence, bias, inequality, equity, um, inclusion, diversity. So I am absolutely thrilled that we've got this um, esteemed group of panelists who are going to shed light on this subject. But I will say this, Nifemi, one of the things that we really must pay attention to is building confidence in goals. If you can build confidence in goals, you are most likely going to improve the confidence in women. It starts with the language, it starts with the experiences, it starts with the focus that they get when they're young girls. And I'm sure the ladies on this panel will tell you this, that they started off as confident women, they were encouraged and they had people in their lives that held them to high esteem and didn't think that they had to work 10 times harder in order to get 50% of the recognition that their male counterparts are experiencing. So I am curious to hear from the panelists today, Nifemi. 
I am too. Um, let me introduce our panelists to you. Bisi Alimi is public speaker, international development consultant and media commentator. Good to see you, Bisi. Uh, Ms. Habis joins us on this one, founder, parental issues. This is joining us live from London. Amal Hassan, it's her first time on the show, a technopreneur who's been able to provide over 700 jobs in Nigeria. Amal, let's put the 701. I think she should be giving me one after this podcast. <laughs> Good to see you. Thank you very much. We're, we're actually at 1,017 employees today. So we've ah. got 700. <laughs> How many of those people are women? 50%. 50%. I trust you. Yeah. <laughs> less. Good to see you. And thank you for joining us. I'd like to begin with Miss Abby. Yeah. So, um, Dr. Amma earlier mentioned that it begins with confidence. I kind of have a an alternative thought to that. I like to think that confidence is a product of capacity. What do you think, Ms. Abby? Thank you, Nifemi, for the question. Um, it depends on what you mean by capacity. Would you like to expantiate on that or should I just, um, the capacity of the woman? I think I'll just, I'll just answer. So um, in terms of confidence, a woman's confidence- okay. I needed to put on, yes, I meant that confidence, how was the opinion that confidence is an offshoot of your competence? For instance, they would say 70% of the confidence you need for public speaking is from knowing what you have to say. So how would, how would rather would think that a woman's confidence will come in a capacity and a competence to do our job? Don't you agree? Well, I, I can't agree um, simply because um, confidence, uh, a woman's confidence is uh, multidirectional. And there are many factors that contribute to a woman being confident. You find that many women are confident at work and not confident in their own homes, or they're confident with their friends and not confident at work. So I don't believe that um, just because you know your subject matter makes you confident, because again, you can be on a large stage and be a nervous wreck. So, and you could know your onions. So there, there, there are many um, facets to a woman building confidence. So confidence is initially built at home, in the home setting. So the parents encourage the child, you know, especially a female child, you're the same as your uh, brother or boys. And that should carry on at the educational level outside home, at school. But you find again that at school, this doesn't necessarily happen um, in the sense that some of the teachers themselves <laughs> are, you know, patriarchal in the way they think. So they bring that into the classroom and don't give the girls the opportunities that they need, even though they are quite bright and, and so on, outgoing. So their confidence starts being knocked actually, even if it's built at home at school. And with, you know, the teenage years, a lot of children stop talking, you know, and it, you will be fascinated to find out how many brilliant women are out there that lack confidence simply because either it wasn't built up at home or it was built up and they got married and it got broken, either by their significant other or their in-laws or their own immediate families, you know. So several things can knock a woman's confidence, maybe a delay in childbirth, 
maybe an inability to function in a maybe more with culinary skills, anything could knock a woman's confidence despite how intelligent and competent she might be in the workplace. Is this a gender-based issue though? Uh, when we talk about low self-esteem, do you think it is a concept that affects the female folk more than the men? I do, I don't, I, well, I don't know. I mean, do, do men get told, um, um, go and get married? Or do they get told, um, am I, I have many of you at home. Do, do men get told that? I don't think many men get told, ah, Tunde, I have many of you at home. <laughs> do you understand? <laughs> I don't think so somehow. So you, you know that we are in a patriarchal society in Nigeria and that um, confidence is knocked on a daily basis. You drive your car in Nigeria as a woman and you're being told that you didn't, you know, acquire the car in a legitimate way. Go and sit down, Joe. You don't know how to drive you know, all sorts of ex explicit stuff I can't, uh, names I cannot mention online right now. I'm so sorry. I wanted to just add to what um, Abby's just stated. The reality is from a very young age, girls do not have the confidence building mechanism given to them in the same manner it is provided to boys. As a matter of fact, we're told from a very early age, and I will put my hand up, you're going to have to work twice as, thank you. You're going to have to work twice as hard as the next boy to get to where you're going. When you start life at seven, I remember as far back as seven, being told, given that message, and I'm glad I got the message from my father. You learn that there's a disparity in the world and the society you're in. And I wasn't even in Nigeria. So you can imagine learning as a little girl, I'm going to have to work twice as hard as my male counterparts, as my brothers are. That is a tough thing to learn at a young age. It really is. So the experiences you get, the language that people use. I mean, I, I had teachers where I would, in my usual self, draw what I thought I should draw. And the teacher would say, that's not what I asked you to draw. Look at what he did. And I look at what the boy has done. And I remember that boy till today because we're friends. And I think he drew absolute rubbish. He just drew whatever he wanted. And I did what I was asked to do. But he gets the applause. So the applause that men get, boys receive, continues throughout life into the workplace and beyond. But women, no matter how, um, how knowledgeable they are, literally, literally the bias continues to try to suppress them, not just in Nigeria, but globally, globally. Women will tell you this, I've had to work twice as hard. And at the end of the day, I don't even get the recognition for the work I am doing in the workplace. So confidence is important. Competency is important. Engagement is important. Curiosity is important. Equality and equity. Diversity is important. I think the more diversity we have in the office space, um, and even in schools, the more you're going to see that all of us is bringing something in and that diversity allows women to shine. But even in the workspace, women can be knocked down by managers who really just don't see that as the place where they should be or to give them that position to be there. 
I'm sorry, Amal, please. Absolutely. Just before you come in, Amal, so Amal doesn't only have a BSc, she has a master's degree, she established the first organized ICT training institute in Cano. She just mentioned was now that she's been I'd like you to talk to us about where you got your confidence from. Do you agree with Miss Abby that is a thing that you got as young as from your family? Yes, uh, I, I totally agree. I agree with both ladies uh, that confidence is not uh, uh, a product of competence. It starts from home, and it also gets broken, just like this mentioned, over a period of time. So uh, coming from a world of you know, culture where it's biased from the onset, where you're being told that you need to walk like a lady, you need to talk like a woman, you need to. So that pressure of what do I need to do actually takes away from a woman's initial even confidence. So let's say you're built with confidence at home, just like Dr. Ama mentioned, her father from the time she was very young kept telling her that uh, you know she needs to work twice harder. My mother, on the other hand, keeps telling me that I can be whatever I put my mind to be as long as I look up to God and work really hard. And I think that's what built my confidence right from the word go. I believe that if I work really hard and I am persistent, then I can be whatever I want to be. But even with that, with the way the Northern Nigeria culture, the Nigerian culture, the world culture is structured, is structured in a way to reduce your confidence. Let me give you an example. I can be called to talk in America and I will go and I will talk confidently there up to today without feeling anything, right? I speak, I started speaking there confidently before I came back home to speak. Because one of the reasons is if I'm talking to a Northern Nigerian elders, right? I start feeling like, oh, how, how do they perceive me? What, sh what should I say? How do I present myself? All that, all that lecture that you've, you had from the time that you're really small to growing up, you need to be a lady, you need to grow up, you need to carry yourself well, are all things that undermines the confidence and closes up the competence, right? you know you have it, you're very sure you have it, but you're afraid to present it. Why? Because constantly for all your life, you've been, <laughs> you've been sort of, uh, you've been reprimanded to act in a certain way. So you don't know if bringing it out would be being, you know, what you should do. So what we've done in outsource, uh, um, uh, I know you've heard this story several times, Dr. Ama is, I started the company four times, right? And I realized after starting the training center in Kano, which is where you heard Kano from, 
and I, you know, it, I, I realized that we are not doing anything by training a lot of people and they go back into the market without a job. And I started researching on what I could do to create employment. And I looked at India and BPO. Uh, I realized that BPO provides millions of jobs. So what we have done after going live four times, right? I've lost my company four different times and I got up and I started all over again. And one of the things that kept me going all the while, I never thought of giving up, was well, that's my mother's words that keeps telling me I can be whatever I want to be. I can serve the US market. I can be in Nigeria. I can do anything I want to be. As long as I work really hard, I rely on God. So when we, when we established Outsource, I changed the way people are being recruited, right? When you're recruiting, the men can talk, the men can sell themselves the way because they were not brought up in the way a woman was brought up, you know? So, so, but because of that lack of confidence, I put interview as the final stage of employment, which carries like 5% of the marks. And we're able to employ a lot of women where at some point we're more women than men in outsource. One of the reasons that got us to reduce to 50% because of that was because we serve mostly the US market. All our clients are in using uh, US time zone, EST, PST, and people have to close at 12 midnight. And that's really something that is uh, a lot of ladies find difficult. And that's why we are even at 50%. Because of just that process of employment, we are able to recruit more women. First, we test you on the, the, uh, the, the, the campaign or the client that you're going to serve. Based on your confidence, we are not testing you by doing an interview. We're testing you using a set of questions that are set on the system to, to, to test you. Then you go through time management, all that, all that. There are seven different exams that you go through to come into outsource. The final stage is the interview where you get to talk to a person. By that time, we know that you're really good. You can do the job. And we find out that we employ more women than men. <laughs> so it's just- Are you trying to say that there are more smart women than there are men? I'm just telling you that we have employed more women than men, so you can deduce from what I'm saying whether that is Absolutely. the case. But it's all a question of how many people have applied, and then we have we 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 really have employed more men than women. Is uh, I mean more women than men, and based on that little change that we have tweaked to that, the same thing with leadership when we are promoting people to leadership positions. For every 10 people, there's a team leader. For every 20, there's a supervisor. So for every 10, for you to be a team leader is not a question of us calling people and say you are the best person for the job. It's about your scorecard rating, which is how we rate you based on performance, based on what we call our focal values and all that. So really, when I hear this word, confidence is a, is a, is a how did you even put it? Is a, uh, is a, is a- the Confidence is a function of competence. It's a function, thank you. It's a function of competence. I always say no, it's not. 
because really women are not brought up in any society in the world to have to to bring out their confidence from day one yes all uh, right a lot with uh you know so i mm -hmm. i think we're talking too much so i think i need to give someone else to speak thank you very much let me bring bc in i like to hear this opinion about this I think I actually agree with everyone, everything that everyone has said. And while you're talking about confidence and competence, it just struck me. There are so many men with so many with so much confidence sitting on the board of many organizations in the world and they lack competence. They are the competent to do the job. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know why they're there, but they have the confidence to get the job done. It's the same confidence that makes certain people become president of a country where they lack competence to actually get the job done. Yeah, we're not going to mention names, but we know that increasingly so, men are more likely to put themselves forward for certain positions that they don't even have the capacity or the competence to do. But I want to say that um, this is a, a structural, cultural, and institutional um, issues. And, and unless we, we look at it from all of these angles, I don't, I don't really think that um, we can unpack it very well. Um, I remember in the um, late nineties when I when I started out in NGO world, and I was working for an organization called uh, Advocate for Youth, and that was the first time I went to northern part of Nigeria, and we were doing a program for young girls around reproductive health, and at that very young age, there was something that resonated with me and was the fact that after we've done the training on how to use condom, how to negotiate sex, how to have civil sex and all of those things, we left and then we came back a few months later for a follow-up and we realized that nothing has happened, right? And then we asked this girl, so what's the problem? And they said, well, because the men we're going home to meet do not understand the thing that you're teaching us. So no matter how much you try to build our confidence, the society that we live in does not understand that. So we have all the confidence, we have all the information, we have all the tools to change the world. But when we get into the world, <clears throat> the world sees us as arrogant, as blasphemous, as, you know, all the negative things you can, you can say about women. The word we give us, does, we're, we're a bitch, we're, we're this, we're a whore, we don't, you know. And so the word we subdue the women because, I mean, as human beings, we need to survive. Survival is one of our biggest skills as human beings. And as for women, survival means that you have to coward yourself, you have to subdue yourself, you have to lose yourself just so for you to be able to exist in the world that is always constantly out to, to harm you. But also as, answer a question that you raise around is confidence um, a gender-based issue in the area that does it only affect women? No, actually a lot of men, so many men do not have confidence. They do not have self-confidence. So what do we resort to as men? Because we live in a society that has a template of what it means to be a man. And so if you don't fit into that template, right, the society will punish you for it, just the way they will punish a woman who does not fit into a template of what it means to be a woman. So men now have to go into a performative role, just like women will go into a performative role to survive. 
So men be, will become domestic abusers. They will become aggressive. They will become over assertive. They will become numb to themselves. They shut off every emotion that they are supposed to connect with. So they, 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 they ascribe competency, not confidence, competency to, um, no, sorry, they ascribe confidence, not competency to masculinity. So I don't know, I don't have to know how to do the job. I just have to get into the room. And so, and then they plowed on and plowed on. And at every stage, they realize that they are a fraud, but they can't deal with that fraud because they don't have the tools to turn that fraud around. So they are lost. Um, they're alone, and then the mental health challenges goes up. So we have to find a way to strike the balance. I wanted to just add to this statement. It is true that very often men will apply for jobs when they know they are absolutely aware that they they do not have the qualifications or all the qualifications. You know, if a job subscribes to 10, 10 um, prerequisites, a man will have three or four and he will confidently, confidently submit his application. A woman will have six or seven and she'll say, oh, I just need to wait for the other three and then I'll put myself forward. Meanwhile, the man is viewed as, um, what's the word? I'm confident, a go-getter, blah, 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 blah. And he will march forward. And his counterpart, his female counterpart is left behind wondering, well, what happened? You asked for 10 and I have seven and he only has two and he doesn't even do them that well. Society, even the workplace will look at that man as a go-getter, will look at that person as being viable in the workplace and will push that person through. And will, he will then end up getting the mentor, mentorship or the sponsorship that he needs to advance only to crash later on in many cases, whereas the woman has been left behind. So really we have to work on encouraging women. Um, if you only have a, a third or a fourth, put yourself forth. And the way you do that is through networking. The way you do that is through having a, a mentor who takes you under their wings and shows you the way to climb up the ladder. You know, having merit is going out of the window because it's not about merit in many places, but you, it has to be merit-based rice at all times, whether it's in a school setting or in the community or in the workplace. Let's use merit for advancement, not gender, because very often I, I can speak in Nigeria, and I think many of the people here will agree, very often men are promoted above a woman because he has a wife and, and children. And so if the woman is in the same situation, well, she's got a husband to take care of her, absolute nonsense. Who has the chops to do the, the job and do it well? That's the person that you should be promoting not gender. So I am absolutely doing this today. End the bias. We need to stop it. And when we end the bias and we start to work with our girls from a very young age to have confidence, confidence. I listened to Amal's um, words, you know, persistent. A persistent woman in a workplace is called aggressive. Why? 
Why are we aggressive? Because we have something to say, or we're pushing the, the agenda for everyone's good. So that language is very critical, you know, or she works like a man, I beg your pardon. I don't want to be a man, I am a woman. So why is working like a man, what you use either to devalue what I do, or as a way of saying, well done. Everybody should work to the best of their ability not working. I don't want to work like a man. I want to work to the best of my ability, as you should work to the best of your ability. Stop comparing women to men. Each person is unique. That's all I have to say for this moment, but I'll be back. Miss Abby, did you have something to add? Yes, I wanted to start with, um, you said, let's stop comparing women to men. Um, this is absolutely necessary because just like BC Alimi said, we assume that men and boys are strong. And there are many, many boys that are, you know, that, that like the, the so-called female activities such as cooking, you know, um, we cannot pigeonhole a boy to be a particular way and a girl to be a particular way. And that's very, very important uh, not to label girls as girls and boys as boys they are children and i want to go back and and um, emphasize that just as dr Amma has said that we need to encourage our girls we need to um give them you know all the whatever they need you know to build their confidence from home and in every situation but we also need to watch the way we're raising our sons because if we don't raise our sons the way that we are raising our girls to, you know, um, be aware, the boys will grow up unaware of the template that is there and how damaging it is. So we know that um, for some reason, or you know, we, we know this in India, we know this in the Middle East, uh, we know this even in Africa for the preference of, of boy male children, where a mother will go on and on until she has the male child before she feels valued. We need to get to the point where it's not just with educating people about how equal the sexes are in terms of the value of each child in, you know, in the world, but also really talking to our boys. You must not behave this way. We must bring up gentlemen. We must bring, bring up conscious, intentional boys and fathers and you know, professionals and confident boys as well. But it's very, very important. You know, I you know, I, I see in my work a lot of parents that um, the emphasis a lot is on the boys, you know, the, the boys, even because the girl is going to get married. She needs a very good education as well. But the boys, it's, it's the emphasis a lot is on the boys and how the boys will take over the family business. And, you know, things are changing. A lot of girls are assuming a lot more positions, but I still feel that we have a lot of work to do as women in talking to the boys that, you know, we, we are helping as a community to raise. Absolutely, Ms. Abby. I also think that um, we need a lot more people who will begin to take interest in the boy child. I see a lot of girl child advocacy, which is fantastic and great. But um, if nobody's talking to the boy child, we can raise fantastic girls and then we leave them to untrained boys who will make life hellish for them. 
Absolutely. Now that we have established what is wrong with the society, I like to think that society changes with the people in it. So um, Amal, perhaps you can talk to us about, given this reality, what a woman can do to build her capacity and her confidence, for instance, at the place of work. Um, thank you very much for that. I, I agree that um, it, we need to educate both men, both, both, uh, both boys and girls, in terms of how to, how, how, how to eliminate all this you know, bias, right? It, we, we all mentioned that it starts from home and I wanted to retreat that. Yes, it starts from home. I remember growing up in a house where we all have the same choice, choice, choice. the boys and the girls all do the same kind of work. Uh, I remember my, my brother Noreen is, is, is very good with cooking and there was a time he, you know, so, 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 so it's good to train in the same way. And that way, when boys grow up in a house like that, they take people based on just the way they are, as in they, 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 they take people individually, irrespective of whether boys or girls, based on their competence, based on their personality, and they treat everybody and give everybody equal opportunity. But the way to change that in this society now that things have gotten to the way they are is for every, each and every woman to be made to believe. Dr. Ama mentioned mentorship. She mentioned, you know, that there's a need for constant education. So you can educate your child at home and she can go to the school and it will get broken just like Abby mentioned. Sorry, Abby, earlier I, may, I, I called you busy. Uh, I, I, I have uh, three girls in my house. What I realize is when they're in primary school, they can talk freely in public. But the moment they get to senior secondary school, I see them becoming very, very shy and they can't really talk the way they, they, they don't, have the confidence that they normally they have from the time that they're young. So I think when we when we, we train our, our our girls to have confidence, or both girls and boys to have confidence, and they go to the schools, uh, then it gets broken, you know, by the teachers and the society and all that. So so we need to do a lot to bring out the confidence. One is to get the women or to get the girls and the boys to believe that they have the capacity to be whatever they need to be. One statement from my mother that keeps ringing in my head is I can make things happen as long as I rely on God. And that feeling, that belief is what made me to think that I can start this company even though no one else in Nigeria has thought of doing that before me, <laughs> right? And that's, that is, is just a pep talk, <laughs> you know, it's just something that I believed from a very young age. And in, in our workplace, the same thing, I see young ladies coming in. We have a demographic of 21 to 25, very young people in our environment. They come in without confidence, but once 
they are made, uh, you know, they're they being pushed on the system by themselves based on their confidence, they start building that. And then we go ahead and, and keep telling them that they can be whatever. A lot of times when we give them leadership positions, where we promote them to be team leaders, they always ask, uh, say this, we can do this. I remember there's one lady called Ruthie, she's now in part of management team. She started as an agent, as a call center agent. When she first got promoted, she came to me and said, I can't do this. And I told her, you can. <laughs> Why can't you? You can. So we need people to tell them. We need to be create that awareness. We need to all take it up upon them ourselves the way uh, Dr. Amma is taking it, the way all of us are taking it. We need to tell them that you can. You know, when they say they can't. When we notice that lack of confidence, we need to always bring out the confidence in them, it is there, it is in there. They just need to believe. I always tell them, see, God made everything in this world, right? If you work hard, you have the same kind of opportunity as Bill Gates, as Mark Zuckerberg, because they are created by the same God. So you have to just believe, they believed that they can do it. You have to believe that you can. So you have to bring yourself to be them. So I always ask people, what stops you from being Max Zuckerberg? So we are in a tech environment, right? What stops you? He has the same kind of opportunity as you. He, he, he's a human being like you. So if you think of yourself as that, then you can be whatever you want to be. So, so and that's what we need to keep telling our girls. We need to keep telling our women. We need to keep saying this in a work environment. And once we identify a lady with competence or you know, to do the job, we need to just push her and she would do it. I've pushed almost every leader within outsource. They always say, we can't do it. I push them, well, they end up doing it very, very well. So I think that's the way to go. This is the Thinking Reimagine podcast sponsored by Allied Empowerment. Allied Empowerment Consultancy offers leadership and innovation through bespoke human development solutions, brain-based leadership, and coaching. Allied Empowerment empowers business leaders, teams, and individuals to intentionally accentuate desired outcomes built on trust, curiosity, psychological safety, engagement, and communication. Allied Empowerment, thriving in a sustainable and valued manner. Fantastic. Networking, faith in oneself. I think that um, you also talked about the need to believe in yourself and also having someone behind you to push you and then you find out you can walk on water. Can I add something else to that? I think you have to visualize. You know, it is important for people to visualize themselves in the way that they wish to see themselves in, you know, in five years or 10 years or one year or six months. If you can visualize yourself in that position, which means you need role models, you need mentors. It's very, very critical. Women in the, women who have the opportunity to um, support other women must literally pull the other women up 
as their, their horizon. It's very, very important. And this is what role models are for. You know, you might see somebody and you don't really know them, but you're sort of following what they're doing. You learn from that experience and you can visualize yourself in that situation. I think that's very important. The other thing that I always tell people, and no busy loves this, is curiosity. You've got to be curious. You have just got to be curious. When you're curious, you seek for the information, you pay attention to the information, and you use that information to rise above wherever you are. So I find that it's very critical for young ladies um, to be curious. You know, last week we were speaking to a group of 10 young women that we just gave scholarships to. And these women were talking about, they're all in university in Nigeria studying surveying, a field that is not considered a women's field in Nigeria. Um, and what we were discussing last week is how many of you are going into the field? Are you doing the field work? And they said, no, they don't usually give it to me. There was one particular young lady who is the only female amongst 50 something men. She's never really done any field work. What they do is give her the book to record the recordings. She doesn't carry the instruments. She doesn't use the instruments. How is she going to become a surveyor? And so they've sort of squashed whatever confidence she went into that field with. And now we're encouraging her to speak up. The next time there's an assignment, say, I'm the leader. You know, I haven't had a turn. Whatever you have to do to put yourself out there so that you become visible. The, the women and the men in positions of leadership are those who put themselves out there, who are visible, who are willing to take the risk who are willing to say, I don't know. Or as Amal said, I've tried four times. This is my fourth time. There's nothing wrong in failing. You actually gain power in failing. So we need to encourage women and men, if you fail, get up, try again. But have somebody, have something that propels you to keep trying so that you don't lose that confidence and that competency that is inherently that's inherently yours. Yeah, um, I, I do, I do have something um, to say to that, and I, and I just wanted us to also re realize that, um, and I, I and, and I think the solution to this is part of the things that we've talked about. You know, mentorship, holding space. It's exhausting. It is really, really exhausting to show up and keep up. Um, in a society that says you do not deserve to be seen and you do not deserve to be heard. It is exhausting. And it's also one of the reasons why a lot of women, we just try and just not bother. It's not because they're not trying, but I mean, look, look at the conversation at the National Assembly, the bills that these people were supposed to pass, that then they can't even be bothered to pass. I was reading, there was a book that was released by this female politician in Nigeria that talked about why it's gonna be very hard for a woman to be a governor or a president in Nigeria. Because of the time that they have these meetings, the places where they have these meetings, the kind of settings, the kind of environment, the kind of ambience that exists where they have these meetings. Right? If you're a woman and you dare to go into those spaces at those time, I don't even know, you, 
you can't even keep your marriage working for you to even want to go that step, right? And we live in a society that the worth of a woman is based on her marriage, on her attachment to a man. So she's spending all her lives trying to keep a man, while at the same time, she's trying to be aspirational to become somebody. And, and sometimes we throw around a little sign of start. Oh, look at this woman who is the board chair, uh, chairman of the board of a bank. Oh, look at this woman who is this. Oh, look at this woman. And then we now blame women who are struggling every day of their lives for not being like this women, right? Without actually saying, wait a minute, how did they get there? Does it fix the narrative of everything? And also we're talking about women. And I think it's a little bit of a disservice to lump women together into one group that we're forgetting the social economic classification of what of the, that we exist in. So to think that the alakijas of this world will do as a woman does not mean that Yetunde, who lives in Lake in Mushin, who is a pepper seller, can ever achieve that. And if we have to judge Yetunde by the standard of the alakijas, then we are not being very honest with ourselves. So it's about how do we create uh, an environment that can at least allow Yotunde to shine the way she wants to shine. And I think it goes back to what everyone has said here. We need to be intentional, really, really intentional about the supports that are available to girls. And this is one, and I'm just going to end it. This is one of the reasons when I started this free coaching um, offer to startups on the continent of Africa. I was very, I was very intentional that of the three positions I'm giving away, at least two of them, and at least one of them must go to a woman. And when the applications came and I saw everything, and it goes back to competence and confidence, what I realized from all the applications were the women were extremely competent, but the lack confidence. And the men are thwack. And I'm not generalizing, I'm basing this on what I, and I chose three women. The three women that I felt like they have, they've tried and tried and tried, they have what it takes. What they need is just somebody to help them or support them, understand their own power, understand their own mind and tap into their own ability. And that's something that is missing. Absolutely. Um... I'll bring in Ms. Abby in a short while, but I'd just like Amal to talk to us about the role men have to play in all of this. Bisi just mentioned the efforts of women to having the Nigerian National Assembly pass some gender-based bills. Uh, one of the observations I have made is that women will have to learn the art of lobbying and not lobbying other women, but lobbying men to get um, their way this time. And it's uh, proven to be a very difficult task given all of the um, um, delays and obstacles that this bill is now experiencing. But um, walk us through, perhaps from your own personal experience, um, this is not going to be done in isolation, right? Because um, there are people who just think that the whole concept of this feminism of a thing is to create a unique world around women. 
Well, men still live here, do you agree? Yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> um, so, so, so thank you for that question. And I think it can't be, it can't be done in isolation, right? Men need to be truthful to themselves, right? They need to come out from the mentality of this is just a woman, right? They need to look at women as individuals based on their competence, based on their capabilities and treat them based on that, right? And one of the things I think men know, <laughs> I think the people in National Assembly, they know that yes, women are capable of leading this country. <laughs> they actually know, they just need to be true to themselves and be unselfish, right? If we bring out the women, then who will be cooking for us? <laughs> who would be, will be doing this? How do we survive? So they need to be unselfish. And I think that we need to work together to identify our different roles. Like Dr. Amo mentioned earlier, and I like that statement, women, we don't want to be men. We want to be women. We have capabilities beyond our, our even us realizing how, how capable we are. Right, and that capabilities are we have something to offer. Each individuals have a unique quality that should be uniquely identified. So what we what I have done when when I started the company four times and I've been kicked out of my company several <laughs> several times. And what I did at the end is we came together with my two partners and formed a consortium. And that consortium is what we use to establish Outsource Global today. They saw me for me. They saw the passion, they saw the capabilities, they believed what I said. And they came together and brought in their company. And we used the proceeds of their companies to set up. <laughs> outsource, right? So, so, so that's, I mean, uh, uh, the, uh, sorry, we use the, this partnership to actually set up outsource, you know, at the end, which is what got us to go in live. So we need to have men like that, that will really see women for their capabilities, for their qualities, which are unique. So the same way you look at a man and you say, oh, this man get brain. <laughs> Do you understand? You need to identify the qualities of that woman and give her, uh, provide her with the, the, the level environment or the level environment to, to, actually, uh, um, to actually work. So, so that's the way to change it, you know. Well, we need to showcase this kind of partnership. What, we, what I bring to the table is different from what my partners bring to the table. We have different qualities. We have different strengths. We have different weaknesses. And what we did is we identified each other's strengths and we identified each other's weaknesses and tried to you know, balance it between ourselves. And that's what human beings should do.
you know, we should pass the era of women working, I mean, uh, cooking in the house and all that. Both men and a man and a woman will go out to work. And then there's the expectation that when you come back, the woman will provide. Yes, we can do that. We like doing that. But it has to be on our own terms and, and conditions. So I think that's the way to go. We need to have a lot of he for she's, like they put it. Uh, I'm not sure if I like this statement, he for she. And I think is we should all be the same, you know, we should all treat each other as human beings based on our different qualities. And then those qualities should be recognized. So men need to be truthful to themselves. When they see a lady with competence, they should first acknowledge that she has that competence, not that she's a woman. You know, so I think that's the first step to go. And then when we are bringing up our children, I brought up my son to, to, to look at everybody the same. And I don't think he will marry a woman and sit and expect her to cook and, uh, you know, just be that. Because you're training them from the word go that there is an imbalance and it has to be balanced. This lady, she's good, she has this and based on that we should treat her as that this man has this <laughs> he has these qualities we will use these qualities for this and that's that would provide an even environment for everybody to succeed i agree with you amal that yeah. um, men have a lot to do and one of it is that um we i have a dream that soon a man will take a woman out and ask the woman to pay or at best, they share the fee. Um, I mean, it's gender equality. I'm just kidding. I know you're looking at me in some funny way anyway. If I may, <laughs> come on. You know that occurs already. We have to and you there. know from previous episodes that we've done that there are many households where the women are the higher wage earners and taking yes. care of their families. Uh, that was just so a joke anyway, but I, I know that we'll get to that point where women would also take equal financial responsibility. Ms. Abby, on a final thought, I'd like you to just wrap this up by walking us through the competence needed for women leadership. I must say this, a lot has been going on well for the women folk this month until the inauguration event in Anambra yesterday where we saw the wife of an outgoing governor um, receiving a hot slap from another woman leader. Uh, and that's, that's, um, that's a very, very, um, how do I put it now? I think it's a stain on all that is going on well for women this month. And oh, I know that- please, um, me, in the oh, days, please, please, me. No, please. Just a minute, me. busy. Don't go just a minute. Don't down. go there, me. Don't go there. And I know that, in the coming days, a lot of men will make, you know, reference to the emotional capacity of women in leadership. Now, I am not ascertaining this to be true, but I'm saying this is a conversation we must have, particularly now that we're talking about developing capacity, you know, for women. I, I mean, whether you like it or not, it is a case or um, how do I put it now? It is a good example that we can use in this conversation as regards 
what must we learn differently? Not only for the women folk, but for the men folk when we are eyeing leadership at this level. Ms. Abby. Okay, thank you, Nifemi. Um, there are two things that have been on my mind since um, the last few contributions have been made. The first thing is um, for there will be women listening to this podcast and who are not um, aiming to go into the corporate world. And I remember well, a few decades ago, I wrote a paper called The Economic Analysis of Women's Work. And I termed women's work being a homemaker, being a teacher, being a nurse. Meanwhile, of course, a man can be a homemaker, a man can be a nurse, a man can be a teacher. What I was trying to explain is that even women that do not go out into the workforce need to be, a, uh, you know, um, remunerated, remunerated, and you know, appreciated and paid. So. If I think about we're analyzing women's work and we're saying to women, no matter what you want to do, whether it's being a florist, whether it's being in the corporate world, you will be rewarded for what you want to do. You will not be pitied and supported just because we're helping her. It's because she's good at this and this is what she chooses to do, whether that is homemaking. Now, you're talking about the emotional capacity of women and I heard VC wants to interject. So I'm going to quickly say what I have to say. A nation that looks after its women is a healthy nation in general. In the West, the women are looked after to the extent where in some Western countries, European countries, the woman is off work for an entire year and paid, entire year and paid her regular salary whilst she is nursing her child. So the, that particular nation is nurturing the mother, nurturing the new, so that she can nurture the new generation. A nation that does not look after its women is an unhealthy nation, breeding unhealthy people, basically. So if the government and the Senate didn't pass this bill, Obviously, they want to continue what has been happening. And there has to be this conversation and reality that there's a big difference between culture and chauvinism. I heard some people say at that point, oh, it's part of the culture. It's not that alone in isolation. Because as you know, I've said this on several podcasts before, there've been very many strong African women um, that have made Nigeria proud from Ransom Kuti, Queen Amina, Madame Tinubu, so many women, you know, hundreds of years ago, you know, we can go back. So are we going to say there was no culture there? There've been many, many queen, uh, king makers who are women. There were many, many ruling chiefs still to today in, in those remote um, towns, you get their, their female queens. So at the end of the day, you know, what is going on is not necessarily just, a, just um, as a result of our culture, it is, the chauvinism and everything else um, BC alluded to, you know, when they don't have the uh, competence, they pretend to be, you know, um, confidence and so on and so forth. There's a lot going on, but I would like to end by saying, if we do not look after our women who are looking after our children, there'll be many, many other episodes like what you just described. Yeah, um, what is wrong with yesterday? What is wrong that a woman beat up a woman? 
What's wrong with it? And this is the thing that I have about marginalized group, that there's an expectation that they have to be perfect. They have to be without flaws. They have to have a certain level of the way that they present themselves. Straight people do this a lot. So when one gay person or one lesbian person does something wrong, all the straight people say, oh, look, look, they're disgracing their community. Meanwhile, every day, straight people disgrace their community. But have we ever talked about a straight community? No, because that's what privilege is. We have seen images, videos all over the world of male-dominated lawmaking houses, throwing chairs and punches and beating each other up. I have never seen, I've never heard a conversation around how these men are shaming other men or how the art of what these men are doing is contributing to a negative conversation about men's rights. But when women beat each other up because beating somebody up is part of expression. If somebody gets in your way, you slap them. I'm not against violence, but if need be, do it. Remove their wigs and throw their shoes away. Stand up for yourself if that is how you know how to do it well. But it does not then bring the conversation around, oh, look at this woman fighting. What does this mean for women? And this is the reason why we keep keeping women in chain. We have a certain template for women or women to operate on. And if one woman dare to go against that template, we will shame other women because of that. And we need to stop that. And that's not even a conversation we should be having in 2022. I don't agree with you, BC, that um, the incident is at the floor of the National Assembly has not been talked about in a negative light. Over the years, we have raised many stakeholders, have raised um, the barbaric nature of fighting on the floor. The reason I raised that issue, I, I, I thought that we could use it to promote, you know, concepts of emotional intelligence. Um, we talked about um, women lobbying at the National Assembly. We can talk about um, lobbying efficiency because that's that's where many of the female stakeholders got it wrong. I mean, stakeholders are saying that they did not lobby the bill. So it's it's not sentiment. It's like you don't go to court and say, because I am right, then I'm going to get the judgment. You have to come with your facts and you have to come with um, a competent uh, very competent lawyers who can also state your case very clearly. So this has nothing to do with shaming women. I do not think that any man or any woman slapping each other in such an occasion, that is not an attribute that we should celebrate. It doesn't matter whether that is done by a woman or a man. It is they not don't link it gender. It the issue that I have, it the issue that be. I have, if you linked it to gender, that's what I. Yes, because we're talking about thing. building competence, and I don't, don't let us talk about it here. It's not a conversation for, for men or for women. We pick examples every day of both men and women. I mean, we shouldn't see if there is that issue. Let us deal with it. Don't let us bring whether man or woman or gay or straight to the matter. If someone has done wrong. Let us say it is wrong. Let and anybody talk about it to aspire. Don't talk about it here and don't talk about it now because it's not why, a conversation. Why shouldn't we talk about it now? When we're, we're talking, talking about, about gender equality. So, Nifemi, it's not a conversation. Nifemi, so Nifemi, uh, 
Yes, so here's the difference. And it goes back to something that Amal said earlier about being, which really talks about being a good girl or being a good woman. In other words, if you're a good girl or a good woman, then you really ought not to be fighting with another woman publicly. And when you, you make the point based on gender, then you are shaming that person. Technically, he's absolutely correct. Because the reality is fighting of any sort, whether it's localized or whether it's national or international, as we're all experiencing, is not acceptable. It's about, that's basically bullying, right? And it should um, be and condemned, it's also, it's, whether it's a man or no, a woman. No, 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 Nifemi, Nifemi, you're missing the it point. Should be you, should, you should condemn all forms of violence, period. Exactly the point the I'm manner, making, Dr. Amma. No, exactly I'm, I'm sorry, Nifemi. The point you made wasn't about condemning yes. violence, but by highlighting that it was two women that did this. Let's condemn the act not the gender of the people. This is why Amal brought up that subject at the very beginning about the, the template that we use to, to describe or prescribe, describe, prescribe the behavior of women. The behavior is appalling, whether it's a male or a female. It's getting a lot of attention because it's two women who did this inappropriate behavior. They were just dysregulated and don't know how to self-regulate themselves. End of story. But when men do it, it doesn't get the same flavor as when I women do, do it. And this no I do not agree with you. No, 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 I'm glad that you don't no, hold no, no, Nifemi, I haven't finished. Tava. Don't interrupt. Hold on, hold no, on. No, don't interrupt. You interrupted Nifemi, me as well. Hold on, Dr. Uh, no, no. When, we, when we're having these conversations, please, when we're having these conversations, it is important that we do not tolerate with gender. Are you, do you know why? Because if you come on but this you platform did, and say, you if you come on this platform gender. and say that the Brickrins and the fighting at the National Assembly were not condemned because they are men. That is not true. Over the years, these issues have been addressed that I these guys are pardon, not civilized. Nifemi. That is not true. Nifemi, Nifemi, for heaven's sakes, I think you. I think you, we've sort of gone off the plot. We're talking about two different things you here. You've gone off the plot. Nifemi, how do you mean? Any kind of misbehavior is misbehavior, period. That's the point I'm making. What you, no, 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 no. When you said it, Nifemi, and you can always go back and listen to this recording, the highlight was on two women as opposed I did, to I the did misbehavior. Mention, that this behavior, I wasn't referring to women. I said, and I'm going to repeat myself for clarity, this conversation is about building confidence and competence in women, right? And I did mention that irrespective of being a man or a woman, what are the capacities that need to be built if you're eyeing leadership, particularly for women leadership? And I reflect what happened yesterday. I don't think that we should be so sensitive when we talk about issues like this. Men have their issues, just like women have their issues. If something is bad, call it bad. You don't have to, you know, color it and say, oh, when men do this, it doesn't, I do not agree. I mean, on this particular issue, when we talk about fighting, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or woman. BC talked about lawmakers in the house who fight. 
who fight that this has been widely condemned. We can't now say because two women fight yesterday, we now say, oh, men have been fighting at the law, um, I mean, at the National Assembly, that and it has not, not been condemned. That's not true. No, that's not true. So, Nifemi, to answer your question, to answer your question, this is about self-regulation, and we talked about it at the previous um, podcast, and we can come back to it. The reality is when people fight the way that they do, it's really about dysregulation, and you have to learn to regulate yourself so that you can actually communicate and engage with the other person. That's the most important thing. If you're talking about building a, com a competency, is the competency for self-regulation. That's what we need to build. The point that Bissy was making was the emphasis that's being placed on women fighting as it is not socially acceptable. It is not acceptable for anyone to fight Period. There were two women fighting. Often. There's no way I could have edited that fact. So basically, can we have your last There are two ways. We've forgotten about Miss Abby. There are two ways you could have edited that And Ms. I just want to I need to jump on another call. But there are two ways that you could have edited that. One of the ways is it does not have anything to do with the conversation that we're having today. It does not have any space in this conversation. I disagree with you. I disagree with you. By okay. all means, it does. Okay. And I raise the point why, why it does. Nifemi, can we, can we hear what Nifemi, I'm sorry, Nifemi, can we hear what Bissi has to say? Thank you. Number two is that um, there was no way to frame it around the question in the sense that how will this affect? Because that was, and I, and I hope that you can listen back to this. What you said was, so how will this affect? What impact with this kind of in the way that what impact would this have on the on the need for women's rights a lot if these two women are fighting? You frame it in those two ways. And that was what the moment you said that I shook my head. One, women fought yesterday. End of people fight every day. It does not have anything to do with competence. It does not have anything to do with confidence that we're talking about today. That shouldn't have come up in the first place. And that's my opinion. I'm not saying that it's generally binding. The second part is you shouldn't affirm the fight within the framework of two women fought is gonna have an in, in, uh, um, unintended consequences on the right of women, because that's the conversation that's been going on on social media. And it breaks my heart because every day people fight. People fight every day. And my dogs fight. And I'm not going to say because my dogs are fighting, it's going to have an impact on animals' rights. Dogs fight. That's the way things are. So I, I hope that we can learn from I appreciate your thoughts and your comments on this matter. I, however, think that I have been greatly misunderstood. The point I was making, and I'd like to reiterate for posterity's sake, is that that issue was raised to emphasize, you know, concepts around emotional intelligence as it relates to leadership, as it regards whether to man or woman. I'd like to say a big thank you, Dr. Alma, for joining this broadcast. Ms. Abby, thank you so much. You left Ms. Abby out. She didn't have a chance for a final statement. Miss Abby, the floor is yours. Have your final statement. So I thank you very much, Dr. Amma and everyone else. Um, I did emphasize that, you know, the nation, a nation has to look after the children and the women and everybody in there. So if you have a society where the women are under immense pressure, immense pressure, domestic pressure, corporate pressure, 
financial pressure, emotional pressure, and there's no outlet whatsoever, and there's no support, there will be problems with child raising, with everything. Everything is linked to how we nurture our children and how we nurture our women. We need to fix the health system. We need to fix, you know, there's, there's a ministry, I believe, called the Ministry of Women Affairs. I don't know what they do there because this ministry is supposed to be there, you know, representing women's requirements. You know, Nigeria is such a wealthy country. It's where, you know, so many intelligent, we're so intelligent as Nigerians. Why can't we have maternity leave? Some other person takes the job, you know, whilst the woman's on maternity, she, you know, has her baby, comes back to take her job. Why don't we have a good health system? Why don't we have a good education system? We cannot fix whatever is happening with our gender issues if we don't fix the educational system, if we don't fix what is happening in terms of looking after women medically, actually. And when I say medically, I mean not just childbirth, also emotional health, mental health. You know, all these aspects are so, so, so important. I'm not saying, you know, there was a mental health issue with the fight yesterday. I'm just saying that a lot of women are under immense stress in Nigeria. The men who are under immense stress, many of them will go, and Nifemi can attest to this maybe because he probably has some friends who do this. After work, they have where they go to step down. I don't know where women go to step down. I don't think there are pubs in Nigeria that women can just go in there and have a lager before going home just to step down. You know, how do women actually step down? Apparently they go to these parties. I actually don't think they step down at these parties. They have to pay for the outfit, pay for their makeup, you know, all sorts. I don't think that actually they're escaping maybe some sort of um, um, boredom or something that's going on. But I think the women need to be, you know, nurtured. And that is why we need better representation, fighting for what we need in the in the government, whether in the Senate and the reps or in all these places. Thank you. Fabi's founder, parental issues. Thank you so much for your thoughts. Bisi Alimi, public speaker, international development consultant and media commentator. We did not agree today, but I appreciate your contribution. Dr. Ahmed, it's been a great show. Thank you so much. Um, it El certainly Elia, has Elia, Amal Hassan joined us, technopreneur, who's been able to now provide jobs for over a thousand Nigerians. We appreciate you, Amal. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this afternoon. Thank you. And have a lovely, have a lovely weekend. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a Thinking Reimagined podcast. The executive producer is Dr. Amma, co-producer Peter Amon Boyo, and it is moderated by Nifemi Okuntoye. The podcast is edited by Nelkan and supervised by Doon Sokwa. Thinking Reimagined emphasizes the importance of transformational conversations which have as their aim the bringing about of the rich diversity of thoughts and most importantly, powerful and applicable effective solutions and change. The views, opinions and contributions of the panelists are exclusively theirs and do not reflect the opinions of thinking reimagined producers or personnel. Thank, Thank you, you for, for listening, listening and we, we hope, hope you, you have enjoyed, enjoyed this episode. episode. We invite you to subscribe to Thinking Reimagined on Apple Podcasts, 
Spotify, Google Play, and other outlets. We look forward to presenting another riveting episode next week. Thinking Reimagined podcast is produced by Live Abundantly. We welcome your thoughts and invite you to visit our website, livesabundantly.com. Or you can follow us on social media and Live Abundantly 8. Thinking, Thinking Reimagined, changing the mindset, the mindset for, for a better global, global society. society.